Our world is shrinking. Business is global and points to the planet can be connected at the drop of a hat. But for some, travel is about more than the destination. Rather than fixate on arrival, true thought leaders know that travelling provides a space in which the greatest ideas take hold and the greatest opportunities can be found. Instead of plugging in and tuning out at 30,000 feet, they turn to the window and engage with the world. So pack your bags and join us to explore. I'm Robert Bounds and this is What Moves You with Remova. Today we'll be meeting Sadie Coles, owner and director of her eponymous gallery. Since 1997 she's been exhibiting some of the world's most exciting artists from her London-based gallery. But while the bricks and mortar may be rooted in the UK, the international dynamism of the art world has made travel an integral part of her professional life. I think it gives me a great deal of energy. Plus, the art newspaper's editor-at-large, Jane Morris, will be explaining how the art market governs Sadie's travel itineraries. So I think it's important to understand that most galleries will only have a relatively small number of really big collectors, and they can be all over the world. New York, Hong Kong, Tokyo, Paris, London, Rio, Sao Paulo. And we'll hear from Louis Teague Wright, a young curator whose gallery, Lockup International, lies at the vanguard of a new decentralised mode of exhibiting. That's all to come on What Moves You with iconic luxury brand Remover and Monocle 24. For over 20 years, Sadie Coles has worked at the heart of the UK's contemporary art world. She cut her teeth among the vitality of the so-called YBAs, the young British artists, including Damien Hirst and Sarah Lucas, who changed the face of contemporary art from their base in London in the 1990s. From there, Sadie went to New York, long the global mecca of the contemporary art world, before returning to London and opening her eponymous gallery. As a leading figure in the most globalised of industries, travel is necessarily at the heart of what Sadie does. I mean, for me, travel, even if it's for work, is both functional, because I'm going somewhere for business, but it's also a great pleasure. I think it's one of the wonderful things about my job, is that it takes me all over the world to places old and new. If you're going somewhere for work, you're building up real relationships with people, you know, I, I would say that I actually like the repeat destination because you also get to go back to the places that you love and you also perhaps even dig out harder-to-find treats. For Coles, travel is as much about nurturing relationships, getting to know places and people, as it is about discovery. In an industry built on communication between artists and audiences, collectors and dealers, Sadie's travels constitute essential, purposeful work. Art dealing is a very personal business and you need FaceTime with the people that you're working with, particularly the artists, but also um, collectors and uh, you need to see museums. You need to stand in front of the artwork to understand it properly. So yeah, it's, it's pretty essential. The past two decades have seen a seismic shift in the allocation of capital around the world. Markets have changed and the art market is no exception. As wealth has grown, so too has an interest in art and art collecting. These are changes with great geopolitical resonance and one which Sadie has witnessed firsthand from her position at the forefront of culture. When I first opened my gallery 22 years ago, I would say that the majority, if not, of my travel was Europe and America. And now there's a 
lot of travel to Asia, and that, of course, is a huge, huge region, which includes, you know, Japan, Korea, China, Hong Kong. It's a massive region, and there's lots of activity there now for contemporary arts. But what has driven this shift? And beyond emerging markets and new centres of wealth, what else has driven the art world's unique internationalism? How does the art world rely on travel, building on the sort of international connections that Sadie Coles has outlined to bring dynamism to the market? To explain more, here's Jane Morris, editor-at-large of the art newspaper. It's because the art world, art market, has internationalised enormously since the 1990s. If we go back to, let's say, the late 80s, early 90s, the centre of the art world, and when I say world, it's a good way of putting it because it was the commercial world, the big auction houses, the galleries, but also the big museums where a lot of the artists lived was New York. Of course, other places had museums and galleries, other places had really good art schools, other places have always had artists. But in the 1990s, we started to see the emergence of art collectors around the world and galleries building markets for artists in their own localities. So Sadie Cole started in London. Back in the 1990s, there were really only a handful of commercial galleries, but there was an interesting combination of things happened. The liberalisation of the stock exchange and the influx of wealth into London meant there were more ultra high net worth individuals in London in the 90s. They were supporting the YBAs. That's really one of the reasons that the YBAs careers take off. There's people to buy their work. Galleries start exploding in London. And that process happens in other cities around the world. So I think it's important to understand that most galleries will only have a relatively small number of really big collectors. And they can be all over the world. New York, Hong Kong, Tokyo, Paris, London, Rio, Sao Paulo, wherever. Buying art is a very, very individual process. People who do it tend to be very passionate about it. They aren't just buying for investment. They like to get to know the artists. To get to know the artists, they need to get to know the galleries and so on. So basically, it's really all about individual relationships. It's a business where art and life are really, really, really entangled. We started to see the growth of fairs in the 90s, is that it's kind of a one-stop shop. It is a bit like a department store where your favourite galleries are showing, but you can also go and see what other people have got from all over the world in one place. And this really suits people who don't have a lot of time. They can jet in, and they often literally do jet in, and they can see 300 galleries in one place. And, you know, a couple of days, they've seen an awful lot of art. Galleries are looking in an ideal world to do a number of things. They obviously would like to sell work. They want to show their programme and they're looking to meet new collectors, of course. They're looking to get interest from the press. A lot of press are invited as part of the VIP and press programmes. They want to talk to curators. It's a combination of sales, marketing, networking and promotion. The art market has expanded greatly in all territories, but I suppose most noticeably to China and the Far East. As Asia has grown in wealth, there has obviously been an interest in developing a market there. Initially, the market that grew there was probably what you would expect. It was a market in traditional art, in historic art. Particularly in China after the Cultural Revolution, there was a great interest, and still is, in buying back great works of heritage, either to own personally or to give as gifts, 
also to build museums and to refurbish museums because there was a feeling that a lot of China's cultural heritage had been stolen or purchased or dispersed by colonial powers. This pattern is very typical and, as I say, still going on in China. But inevitably, contemporary art is very fashionable. It's become very fashionable for a lot of different reasons. And understandably, it's become fashionable in China. Initially, it was contemporary art by Chinese artists that was being bought. Now it's been expanding to include Western and international artists. So where might we expect galleries to be travelling to over the next 10 to 15 years? I think it's worth saying at first that the core markets still remain America, particularly New York. The big question for many people at the moment is Africa. At the moment, the number of ultra high net worth individuals in Africa is tiny compared with the other major centres. But Africa's economy is really, really growing. Local art scenes are developing very rapidly. Obviously, South Africa has been strong for a long time, but also places like Ghana. There are specialist African art fairs which are growing in interest. And I would also expect that this increased interest in African diaspora artists, so we're seeing a great growth of collecting amongst African Americans, British African artists and so on. I think we would expect that to actually mirror growth in the continent of Africa as well. Jane Morris there explaining how the past two decades have seen the art market expand into the East and the rise of art fairs as opportunities for collectors and gallerists alike. As we've heard, Sadie Coles pursues a sophisticated travel schedule to meet and engage with artists and clients around the world. New centres of wealth mean new markets for art, but a global appetite for culture means that unmissable exhibitions could crop up anywhere. Keeping abreast of cultural developments is as much part of Cole's job as building relationships and provides as acute and imperative for travel. Sometimes I will just go somewhere just to see an exhibition. So sometimes it may be something that's not a contemporary art exhibition like the Bruegel Show in Vienna or the Katie Nolan Show in Frankfurt, who's an artist I don't represent, but sometimes there are just things you must see. To make an international trip just to catch an exhibition might seem like a big commitment, but for the true connoisseur, there can be no more edifying purpose. While Coles is at the very top of her game, she's not unique in her insatiable cultural appetite and the motivation for travel it provides. Lewis Teague Wright is among the most exciting curators of his generation. Like Sadie Coles, he operates a gallery, but unlike her bricks and mortar space in London's Soho, Teague Wright has embraced a more actively globalised model. His exhibition space, Lock Up International, migrates around the world's greatest cities, colonising storage spaces as an illicit platform for the best emerging artists. The concealed nature of his temporary spaces speaks to a highly refined audience. These aren't exhibitions for people to stumble across, but rather destinations for the truly purposeful. He explains more. Lock Up International began as a concept that removed the need from a brick and mortar and consistent gallery space to exhibit artists that I was interested in that moment and maintaining or kind of opening a dialogue with them basically utilised a space and the facility of a storage unit. It started locally, it started in London. The first iteration was three shows. Then about six months to a year later, the second iteration began in Mexico City and then quickly followed by uh, Los Angeles.
I think it's important to show both local and international artists, particularly to the audience that's viewing it, and naturally they will be of a city. It's important to bring in different dialogues and different conversations and different kind of a bit more fluidity in the work that's shown. Often the artists that aren't there have to have their work shipped in a suitcase or a piece of luggage that's then brought by someone I know. And often or not, the work makes two or three stop-offs along the way. You know, for Mexico, a piece was brought from Poland to London, from London to Los Angeles, and Los Angeles to Mexico City, all through the help of other people. There's a certain aesthetic, which is like corrugated steel walls, shutters or kind of large doors. Everything has a lock on it. I mean, from the early beginnings, I wanted to initiate it that it would, when given the opportunity, it could expand past the storage unit and it would basically be shown on anything that could be locked. The one in Tokyo was in a collector's mart, which is a place for figurine, like, manga figures collectors to sell their collection to other collectors and each collector would rent almost a fish tank in a shelving unit that would then be locked and their wares would be displayed and sold so we rented one of those for the three-week period mexico city was on a roof which was normally used to dry laundry which would then be locked as well i mean lock up international works on the purpose that you have to make an appointment and you have to have you have to be very kind of committed in order to come and see the the work it's not similar to like the drop in element of a gallery you need to make the journey quite often the locations are on the outskirts of a town or in these kind of weird peripheral kind of industrial neighborhoods in the storage unit you're then met with the labyrinth of units as me or someone else as a guide to take you through so there are a lot of steps. It takes a lot of steps to get to the reward of the exhibition. I think the journey is the commitment. You know, you can't really come into a space that's taken you an hour to get to and wait and last for five minutes. You know, it's like you have to, it is very engaging. In Lock Up International, it's a very one-on-one -on -one experience. The conversation is initiated at the door. And people, you know, they love being in new spaces. I think everyone does. Everyone wants to go into warehouses and wander around. Like, you know, I think it's an amazing place to, to facilitate that awe and wonder. That was Lewis Teague Wright, director of Lockup International. That's nearly all we have time for in this week's episode of What Moves You. We've heard from Sadie Coles, founder and director of Sadie Coles Gallery, about how the currents of the art world have dictated her travel for more than two decades. We've learnt how relationships drive her travel and work and how cultural engagement remains at the forefront of what she does. She's followed the art market as it spread from the West into the Far East and makes frequent trips to meet artists and collectors as well as represent her gallery at illustrious international art fairs. As a truly purposeful traveller, one who never stands still but rather engages constantly with the world around them, she's well placed to offer one last tip. The best way to get over jet lag is sunlight. Whatever happens, don't go and have a nap. You just stay in the sunlight and that will really quickly cure the jet lag. 
That really is it for this week's edition of What Moves You with iconic luxury luggage brand Remover. We'll be back again next week when we'll meet the restaurateur Phil Windsor. Until then, thanks for listening. Thank you.